Hi, I'm Cameron, and I'm a house husband. What does that mean? I don't really know yet. This show is all about my life and figuring out how I can be a better husband and father. Stick around if you want to share my crazy adventure. This is the House Husband Podcast, Episode 9, Traveling with a Toddler, Part 2. All right, Traveling with a Toddler, Part 2. If you missed the last episode, pause this and go listen to it. Oh, wait. Okay, now that you're all caught up, I'll recap. My brother passed away unexpectedly, so I'm traveling with my wife and toddler to the funeral. Flight is delayed, rental car is terrible, and now I'm running about two hour, on about two hours of sleep. We groggily drag ourselves out of bed that next morning. Mostly because my son doesn't understand the concept of sleeping in, so we are up and stumbling through the morning routine. We shower, we get dressed, I start trying to figure out what I need to do to get this uh, new rental car, uh, or to get a new rental car. Uh, Oh, and I need to speak at the funeral and then drive five hours north because the graveside service is the next day in my hometown, which is five hours north of where we're at. Uh, I locate a local office of the rental car company and I attempt to call them, you know, trying to be proactive. The only number that they list online goes to a corporate call center, pretty standard nowadays. So I explain what is going on to a call center customer service person. They instruct me to go to the local office who will assist me in getting a new car. Perfect. I can do that. I already looked up that office and it was on the way to uh, a luncheon being held for my family and where we were uh, kind of gathering prior to the funeral. So we reload all the stuff in the car, including an unhappy toddler. Seriously, to all you parents out there whose kids love being in the car, I say I'm very envious of your um, uh, situation to be able to put a child in a car without them screaming at you and yelling and kicking and fighting it so anyway uh we loaded up everything we had some light breakfast and you know i have a glimmer of hope that today has to be better than yesterday Uh, and we head off to the local rental office the place is pretty empty when we pull in a couple of cars in the lot uh, which look like they would work for my family So I'm optimistic that this will be a quick, you know, here's the defective car, move everything into a new car, and away we go. So I walk in, and I explain my situation to the lady behind the desk. Uh, She takes one look out the window and says, I can't help you. I'm stunned. What do you mean you can't help me? That's a corporate car. We're a local franchise and don't have anything to do with the corporate side of the company, she explains, as if that should cover everything. Uh, that doesn't make sense. I called this morning and the corporate people said you would take care of me. Well, I don't have any cars and even if I did, I couldn't give you one because you're doing a corporate rental. I'm starting to boil a little bit inside at her just kind of total lack of compassion and the fact that she hasn't even attempted to sympathize with my situation and it's all basically, well, that sucks for you coming from this lady. So I I ask, you know, I know there's another office out at the airport. Could you perhaps call them and see if they have a car? Without even blinking, 
checking a computer, looking at a phone, nothing. She immediately answers, oh, they don't have anything either. Okay, can you maybe call them or check your system? I already spoke with them this morning. They don't have any extra vehicles I checked because I have three reservations and only two cars available. At this point, I was just done. We had talked with my family about alternate methods of traveling north, and it seemed easier to just use one of those contingencies than drive an unsafe ashtray any further than I had to. Okay, so we can't get a different car. I don't want this car anymore. What is the process for me turning it over to you and getting a refund? I don't have anything to do with that. You'll have to talk to corporate. And I can't take the car since it's one of theirs. I just threw my hands up and walked out. I tell my wife what has happened and break down a little bit. I don't want to be here. I don't even want this stupid car anymore. I want to go home. I don't want to go to my brother's funeral. The whole situation is just overwhelming. We make it to my uncle's house and I have to explain everything to my family, um, my parents and aunts and uncles and stuff. Uh, They are all appalled at the treatment that we have received. Um, Several of them express surprise since they had done a lot of business with this rental company in the past. I tell them that my next step is to call the corporate people and try to get a refund and figure out what to do with the car since I'm not going to be driving it to Salt Lake like was originally planned. They encourage me, uh, my family, that this is the right decision and offer uh, what help that they can. Uh, We didn't have anywhere to be right away, so I decided to get on the phone and try to start the process. I called customer service. uh, That takes a good 15 or 20 minutes just to connect with someone. Once I get a hold of a person, they inform me that I have to speak with the billing department to request a refund. The customer service people can't do that. So I'm placed back on hold and transferred to the billing department. After 15 or 20 minutes of being on hold again, I get a hold of the billing department. And they tell me they can't start the refund process until I have returned the car and that I need to speak with emergency roadside assistance if the vehicle has mechanical issues, and I will not be able to drop the car off as previously scheduled. So, back on hold I go. Same drill, wait 15 to 20 minutes before speaking with anyone. My family has all gone to the luncheon in the meantime. I am within walking distance of where it is being held, so I tell them once I get off the phone with the emergency roadside people, I'll just walk over. The person that I finally uh, talk with is a very nice young man that assures me that I am finally in the right place and he will take care of everything. We go over the information needed and he says he will begin looking for a replacement vehicle and arrange for the current car to be towed. I mentioned that I had already been to the local office and he told me or they told me that there weren't any vehicles available. He said that he would try anyway since sometimes a car shows up when emergency roadside asks for one. This annoys me, but sure, if he can find one that works for me, uh, I'd be happy. Rather than have me sit on hold while he calls around, uh, he confirms my phone number and says he'll call me back um, once he's located a replacement vehicle. So I walk over to the luncheon and explain everything to my family again. I'm going to pause in my story here for just a second and uh, send a personal message to any of my family that might be listening. I'm sorry if I seemed uh, distant or unattentive when you saw me uh, at the funeral or at the luncheon. 
um, or any time that weekend. There were a lot of emotions already um, because of the circumstances of the trip. Um, I was going on almost zero sleep, and I had the bit between my teeth with this car problem. I really could only focus on the couple of things in front of me. I should have greeted you all with more warmth. I should have introduced you to my wife and son properly. I should have talked with you about my life. I should have done a million things that I didn't. I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. And if any of you want to talk, I hope you know that I'm here for you whenever you need me. All right, so the nice young man calls me back and says that he has found a car out of the airport. I'm very pleased with this. He dispatches a tow truck and a rideshare to take me to the airport. I'm instructed that I will receive text messages regarding each. I load my wife and son back into the stupid car, and we go back to my uncle's house to unload all of our stuff from the car since they're going to be taking it away. My wife has a work thing that she needs to do, and we were going to try to get my son to take a nap before the funeral anyway, so the timing felt like it might work. I know it is hard for anyone to sleep in a bed that isn't their own um, or to sleep when they're away from their own bed, but my son truly and honestly hates doing that. He screams and cries for the next hour or more. After about an hour or so, I get confirmation that the tow truck is on the way. I'm a little worried that I haven't heard anything from the rideshare. So I decide to call the emergency roadside people again to just check on things. The timing of things is getting really tight. The viewing and funeral are happening in less than an hour. But if a rideshare can get me to the airport and I can pick up the car quickly, everything should work out. I get a hold of the emergency roadside people and they start tracking down info on the rideshare. I don't know if this is 100% true, but the person I was speaking with says that for some reason the rideshare was dispatched out of Las Vegas instead of St. George. So, understandably, they were having a hard time finding a driver in the middle of the day that was willing to drive two-plus hours to come give me a 20-minute ride. That isn't how I understand rideshare applications to work, but that is the story they told me. So, a different rideshare is dispatched, and I get the notification from it almost immediately. I think the roadside... Uh, emergency roadside person and double check that there is a vehicle waiting for me at the airport. They tell me, yes, I show that we are sending you to the airport to pick up a vehicle that is ready for you. Okay, I sign off on the tow tow truck while still on the phone with the emergency roadside department, so they know I don't have the old vehicle anymore. Um, And a couple minutes later, the rideshare shows up. So off I go in a rideshare to the airport. I had a very pleasant ride with a nice single mom that was very kind when she found out why I was in town. We get to the airport and I go inside. I am super excited to see that there isn't a line. After what had happened in Vegas, I was worried that having to wait in line would kill my timing completely. I step up to the counter and give my name and confirmation number and my story to the lady and she says, I don't have a vehicle for you. What? I was told there was a vehicle waiting. Emergency roadside told me it was here waiting. They just sent me here on a rideshare to get it. Oh, they called. We told them we didn't have any vehicles and to not send you over here. 
Uh, can you can you call someone? Can you check with emergency roadside? No, go away. So the lady didn't say these words specifically, but that is what it boiled down to, and it's what I heard. So I immediately call road, the emergency roadside people. No one will take responsibility for what has happened. I'm disconnected twice and have to repeatedly call back. There isn't a car. There probably wasn't ever a car. There certainly wouldn't be a car in the next 10 minutes, which is about how long I had until the funeral started. So I shift gears and just start asking what we need to do to get a refund. I can't help you with that, sir. You'll need to talk to the billing department. I only have a small window at this point to make it to the funeral itself. I've completely missed the viewing. The rental company's roadside assistance department roadside assistance department, can't even say that right, wants to send another rideshare to pick me up and take me to the funeral. I'm having serious doubts at this point that they have any ability to handle anything, so instead I send an SOS text to my sister. She dispatches her husband, and he comes to the rescue. Uh, when he arrives, I'm on hold with the uh, billing department asking for a refund. This, of course, is not a straightforward process, and I am placed on hold repeatedly while they check on things. I've been on the phone banging my head against this brick wall most of the day now. My patience is low, and my phone battery is even lower. I keep checking on it, hoping uh, I can get an answer uh, before it drops under, like, 5%. Uh, Then the terrible hold music ends. And I look at my phone, and somehow the call has ended. I don't know whose side ended it, but, you know, I've had a smartphone screen pressed against my face for hours, and my ear and hands have pretty much gone numb. Uh, It's possible that my cheek or something accidentally hit the end call button after I checked the battery uh, for the, you know, 15th time. Or maybe the car rental representative could have just decided there, you know, I wasn't worth their time. Or the cell network burped and the call vanished. I don't know. But it is probably for the best because it gave me a couple minutes to try and collect my thoughts before we get to my uncle's house where my family is waiting. I dash inside with a plan to grab the car seat in one hand and the kid in the other and charge back out. And The only problem is my son is still sleeping. He fought so long and hard not to, but in the end, the lack of sleep From the previous day, plus running around in the heat of St. George just made him crash. I don't know if anyone uh, listening has had to wake up a toddler before they, uh, you know, they have to, but it's something I try to avoid. I love being around my son, and I even miss him sometimes when he's gone to bed. But a sleeping toddler is one of the singular joys in my life. So much more can get done without having my head on a constant swivel, keeping track of him. So I load the car seat and we wait until the absolute last minute before loading Flynn. He isn't very happy with us. The plan is to get to the funeral location at the the mortuary where Flynn could be handed over to my wife's aunt who had very generously offered to watch him Um, because toddlers don't understand funerals and he wasn't going to stay quiet. Since I'm already running late, my wife offers to install the car seat and make the toddler hand off with her aunt. I head inside to uh, my little brother's funeral. I'll gloss over the funeral. It was hard, but it was good. I don't really remember what I said when it was my turn to share, but it felt right at the time. 
Before the funeral got started, we found out that my son was not going to cooperate with our plan to uh, let Emily's aunt take him to her house to play. She stayed and entertained a toddler in a funeral home while my wife and I participated in the funeral. Uh, she didn't have to do that, my, and I'm truly grateful for all that she did uh, for us during this trip, from letting us stay at her house for the, the few hours that we uh, did to try to get some sleep, and then uh, leaving work early to entertain our son during the funeral and, and everything. So uh, if she's listening, thank you. Uh, you know uh, which aunt you are. <laughs> um, so the funeral's done. We regroup and plan our next steps. My family is heading north because of the graveside service. And my sister has graciously offered to let us ride with her and her husband. They have a mid-size SUV thing that has a third row of seats. Not a big third row, so someone's going to have to sit, uh, you know, be squished in there uncomfortably for the next five hours. Uh, before we leave, we have to have dinner with my wife's aunt and grandfather. Just, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities to see the family uh, out that way. And so, okay, we'll have dinner. Dinner went okay. A little long, especially because it wasn't until more than halfway through that Grandpa understood that we still had to drive five hours that same night. Uh, we get everybody loaded up in my sister's car and start discussing um, uh, where everyone's going to sit. So we got all the luggage in. Now we're trying to figure out, okay, who's sitting where? I should uh, mention my sister's like seven months pregnant at this point, and it's their car, so I start kind of limbering up to climb into the very back and take one for the team. But my sweet, awesome sister insisted that she would ride in the tiny back seat. The drive up went pretty uneventfully. I probably should have tried to sleep, but instead I stayed up and talked with my brother-in-law, whom I haven't really had a chance to get to know uh, prior to this. He has some anxiety with driving at night and some eye problems, so I took over driving a little uh, past the halfway mark. I love to drive, and it was a good way to let my mind just relax and focus on something simple and that was totally in my control for once. Uh, we arrived safely around 1 a.m., and I'm looking forward to some sleep. So we unload, and my wife heads downstairs to put my son back to sleep. He had fortunately gotten uh, quite a bit of sleep on the on the drive up. He had zonked out and was only really wakened up towards the end of the the drive. So we're you know talking quietly, discussing the next day's activities uh, when my wife and son come back upstairs. Uh, guess who can climb out of his bed? My wife says, "Of course." My son decides to learn this new skill on the worst trip of all time. So I'm not, I'm not sure I would trust my son yet to have free reign of my house, and I definitely don't trust him to just have complete nighttime access to my parents' house, which is not toddler-proof in any way. So we have to figure out what we're going to do. I head downstairs to analyze our options. My wife hadn't witnessed him climbing out of the bed. He just, you know, opened the door a couple minutes after she had closed it, so... I go through his nighttime routine again, put him back in the bed. As I put him down, I try to hide on the floor, you know, dive down uh, to observe what he does upon discovering that he's back in bed. 
Sure enough, a couple of seconds after I put him down, he's standing up and starting to leverage himself over the edge. It appears he's just gotten too tall for the portable bed and can now kind of do this front flip maneuver to get out of it. Well, great. So I only really have one idea. When he was a lot younger, he used to like to sleep on top of me, just lay on my chest and fall asleep. Maybe I can get him to fall asleep on me or next to me in in the big bed that my wife and I were sleeping in. So we go through the nighttime routine one more time, but this time I lay down with him on the bed. He wants to play, of course, because this is all just a fun game to him. Uh, thankfully, a few soft uh, you know, murmurs of time for night-night and time to lay down, he snuggled down next to me and fell asleep. So he snuggled between my wife and I all night long. The And the next night. <laughs> uh, the next night, my wife felt like everyone would be more comfortable if she slept somewhere else. So she slept on the floor, and we packed one side of the bed with our carry-ons and some pillows so Flynn couldn't roll off the bed. And I laid down on the other side of him, and we got a little bit of sleep. So we make it through everything, make it through the graveside services. Everything's done. The flight home was better than the flight out, I will say that. It was in the mid-morning, so there wasn't really any expectation for him to sleep. He did have more trouble with the change in uh, pressure this time and wanted to play and explore, but overall, it was better. We did experience some rough air on the way down, enough turbulence that I started to feel a little sick to my stomach. It was almost like the universe was putting a little cherry on top of the trip for me. I know you've had a horrendous trip, but uh, here's a little something to finish it off, it seemed to say. So that's the story of the worst trip I've ever taken, and I had to do it with a toddler. Oh, and uh, the rental car company finally, weeks later, agreed to a partial refund. I have the documentation saying it was refunded, but as of this recording, I have not seen the money. I learned a lot of things from this trip, the most important one being that traveling with a toddler will always be much worse than you plan on it being. Uh, Second is I will never use budget rental cars again. Well, I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening. Hang in there. You can follow the show at Podcast Husband on Facebook and Twitter. To contact the show, send an email to househusbandpodcast at gmail.com. 